Welcome to Short Travel Magazine. This is episode one of the podcast. Uh, today, the first day release is August 1st, 2023. My name is John. I am based out of Chicagoland, the upper Midwest, you could say, of the United States. Uh, but I've been following, you know, cross-country mountain biking all over the world for years, so there's going to be a mixture of the world stuff and uh, the U.S. stuff, and then even a little bit of the local scene that I have here. While not necessarily the uh, the biggest in the United States, um, Wisconsin, the state right above me, certainly has a very healthy cross-country series that I actually drive up to a uh, half dozen times a year. So a little of everything. Um, why did I start this podcast? Let's get that out of the way. There's a million podcasts out there. There's a bunch uh, on mountain biking. What there doesn't seem to be much of is cross-country specific discussions. Um, I'm sure everybody most likely who's listening to this is checks Pink Bike and all the other, you know, bike rumors, which isn't bad. I've got some cross-country stuff. But certainly most of the other uh, mountain bike uh, media outlets, certainly Pink Bike is, you know, downhill and enduro focused. They're not bad. I mean, I appreciate every cross-country article they put out, and I think they do a great job. I look at that site 10 times a day. But, you know, Velo News is very little mountain biking, and it's understandable. The road world is much, much larger, larger piece of the pie, if you will. But I just uh, have not found uh, anything that excites me as much as cross-country mountain biking. So I'm going to focus on that. Now, during this summer, this time of year, there's lots to talk about. And I'm just going to warn you, come fall and winter, when the race season is over, I will also be discussing things that I like to do to get me through the sometimes brutally cold long winters in Illinois, Chicago. Uh, fat biking is probably 90% of what I do in the winter. Um, we do have a great race series uh, a couple hours north of me, again in Wisconsin, uh, that is just fat bikes, and that gets me through all the way from roughly November, uh, sometimes all the way to April. And I personally love to watch cyclocross, the European cyclocross um, races, the series. Oh, man, there's almost every weekend there's at least one, sometimes during the week. So there's there's plenty of things off-road. Is that cross-country? No, technically it's not. But when I watch it, it sure reminds me a heck of a lot. Uh, in fact, I've raced a couple cyclocross races on my mountain bike, and it felt, you know, felt just like a a nice little uh, quick short cross country race so that's all good to me um what i'd like to start talking about right now since it's the biggest kind of race uh, week coming up is the world championships in scotland and this is going to be interesting as they are attempting to put most all i believe actually all of the cycling world championships into one location and one uh, space of about eight or ten days 
which is not normal. I usually spread it out um, a little more, I think, if I remember. I don't remember them doing that all together like this. Uh, so I don't know if you've looked at the schedule. I posted it on the Short Travel website. You can also find it, of course, at uh, cyclingworldchamps.com. That's the UCI's official website. And it starts Thursday, this Thursday. So a couple days from now, it starts with BMX, uh, which is actually like BMX, the regular traditional, not the freestyle and that type of thing. Because I started racing when I was 13, I'm, let's just say I'm past 50. Uh, so a long time ago, I did many, many years of BMX racing, the kind of the old school before they had pavement you know, for berms, uh, it was kind of flat, flat dirt, flat berms and that type of thing. So I might watch that, but the main cross country and marathon is, is stuck in there on a Sunday. Um, but the main cross country races start uh, Tuesday. The eighth is the short track qualifier. So that's next week. Um, eh, so it's about a week. Yeah. Tuesday got a whole week. Um, it's interesting on their website, they list, you know, cross-country short track, e-mountain bike has a world championships, of course, team relay. I think the team relays need a little more recognition. I think that's a cool format. Uh, I do try and follow that every year. Uh, and then the cross-country Olympic. Um, of course, you have to buy tickets to these things, but for some reason, the short track qualifying, it says, is free to attend. And sadly, I don't know if that's sad or not, but the marathon, entire marathon world championships is free to attend. Everything else you got to pay for. Why the short track only? I would say throw in the e-mountain bike, uh, throw in the team relay is a freebie. Uh, that's just me. Uh, so Tuesday, the qualifiers, and then Thursday is the finals for the short track Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I do not believe the positions of um, the final top 16 or whatever it is, 40. I don't know. I don't think that has anything to do with the regular XCO races uh, like it does during the World Cup. I think that's just a standalone, you know, winner-take-all type of a thing. Uh, the team relays, of course, I'm not even going to talk about the e-mountain bike. That's not something that interests me. Uh, maybe it will in... 15 years and I'm too old to pedal uh, normal bike up hills. I don't know. I'm not saying I hate them. I'm just not interested in watching, uh, you know, a world championship of that at this time. The team relay is Wednesday. That, I'm not sure if uh, GCN Plus, that's how I access all of these races this year. I don't know if they're going to show the team relay, but I would, I'd love to see that. I think that's a great kind of way to get everybody on a team involved so i'll probably just follow it uh after the fact and then of course thursday the juniors go for the olympic friday the under 23s and saturday are the elites on a sad note I'm sure many of you have read um, one of our juniors sadly was killed i believe yesterday or uh, Saturday, I'm sorry, Saturday, Magnus White, 17-year-old, out of Boulder, was hit by a car, and passed away, and it's just, uh, it's just so sad, I don't, do I know the guy? No, of course, 
I'm being in Chicago. I don't know, um, you know, many people from Boulder, but just the thought that this poor kid had everything going for him sounds like he was quite a talented racer in the cyclocross. He, you know, he, I think he got uh, he won the juniors in 21. Then he went to Europe and got second in a national championships in 22 here and he was going to race the uh, cross country uh, sounds like he was a fantastic racer and could be one of those kids that turns into you know the next Blevins and can you know maybe show his skills in the world stage in the men's category sadly we'll never know I don't know if any of you have been out to Boulder. I was there know, five, six years ago. Boulder and Nederland, which is nearby. And the cyclists are everywhere. In fact, I was riding. We just camped. The family and I camped up in Nederland, outside of Nederland. And uh, Taylor Finney happened to be training that day. This was in June. I'm not sure what events. I think he was in the tour that year, actually. This would have been... Four, five, five before he retired. I don't remember. But anyway, it was just cool. You could see a lot of the big-name uh, road guys who are based out of Boulder. And the roads, of course, were beautiful, but they were kind of terrifying to be driving down a lot of these curvy mountain roads. Now, I don't know the circumstances behind Magnus White's incident, but it was kind of scary uh, as a driver to come flying around a lot of those corners and have cyclists, you know, they're going 30, 40 miles an hour down a lot of those hills. Again, this, he could have just been riding right down the middle of the street or on the side of the street in the city. I, I don't know the details, but it's just really sad, and thoughts and prayers really do go out to his family. The first thing I thought of is his is, is poor family and friends because... This guy was a week away from, not even a week away, probably, from flying to Glen. He had everything going for him. So just a friendly reminder to everybody out there to not uh, take, you know, take these things lightly. Every time I go out to ride, I kind of remind myself, you know, to be extra careful, mainly around intersections. I don't ride on the road. I have a lot of miles of bike path paved but I have a lot of road crossings, and there's a few places where I have to zip, you know, for a little bit along the road. It just, it's always in the back of my mind that anything can happen. So our thoughts and prayers go out to to uh, USA Cycling and Magnus's family and friends. I'm not sure if they're going to sub somebody in there. I, I it just kind of put a damper on everything. That's too bad. But moving on... Um, you know, our teams, you know, Christopher Blevins is the only uh, men, uh, male elite that's going. So maybe he can do something in the short track again. He's been, you know, I mean, he seems to be the first couple laps, the last uh, couple World Cups. He's there, he's up there, and then he's not. So I'm not real sure what to expect, but anything goes on the world champs. As we all know, it could be one of those, you just have a lucky day, you're feeling particularly good, you get a couple good breaks, and next thing you know, 
you know. Well, nobody expected Jordan Saru probably to win a few years ago, and he just mastered that that horribly muddy race. He better than anybody, and came out, you know, world champ. He's looking pretty good this year too. He may be kind of looking forward to giving that another go. He's been coming on strong, Um, so I look forward to that now. Of course, in the U.S., kind of all rules about how you can view these things, these world races, uh, generally are not the same as the World Cup. I, again, I said I have GCN Plus. That's been just fine for getting the World Cups. And I do believe uh, they're covering all of these world champs. However, you may have to get creative uh, with a VPN to get access to them I, so um, I'm not going to sit here and list all the ways you can view them because it's different for everybody uh, flow bikes may have them uh, I know Olympics are usually handled by something with NBC in the name so who knows but uh, I'll be watching everyone I can and that should be pretty cool um, also no show is Haley Batten I'm sure she would have made the list if she didn't um, but she's got a concussion she's been dealing with all season. Sounds like uh, she's taking her time um, coming back from that. I don't even know when that happened. I I read about it, but I never actually looked up when, if that was during a race, a local race, a World Cup training. I don't really know. I just know she was just gone all of a sudden, and people were asking uh, whatever happened to her, so... Maybe she can bounce back uh, the rest of this um, rest of this season, or maybe have to sit out and wait till till next year with the Olympics and everything coming up. Uh, kind of a mess. So we'll see what happens. So that's what we got going on. We're going to see who who can handle it. Now Pauline Ferran Prevo, of course, last year took virtually everything. Um, don't think she's going to be can't imagine she's going to be doing the marathon that's Sunday the 6th so a couple days before these other short track and XCO maybe you know I highly doubt I don't know if she said publicly yet I don't think anybody really is going to be trying to do all three I don't know it's kind of be kind of cool if they put the marathon after the XCO you know kind of do the short race short track, and then the XCO, and then the long one afterwards, but they have it reversed. So that might very well affect who's going to be in the marathon. I do like the marathon racing. Uh, It kind of reminds me of my first uh, five, six years cross-country races back in the 90s. They were, many of them were point-to-point, you know, 25 miles, one giant loop you know, two and a half, three hours. Um, felt like, you know, kind of like these marathon events, although sometimes they're, they're even longer, of course. But, you know, you had to bring everything with you. There were no checkpoints to get new wheels. You just kind of had to bring all your tools, and everybody had a giant saddlebag and a bunch of crap in their pockets. And so kind of reminds me of that. It's kind of hoping when they announce that they're going to be showing more of the marathons that that part of the sport would pick up a little bit. I don't think it really has. I don't hear much chatter about it. 
a lot of the names um, are unknown, maybe to people who follow the Cape Epic, uh, who recognize some of the names in the Marathon World Cups, but none of the cross-country uh, racers really are dabbling in both. That's understandable. It's kind of two different worlds at this point. So look forward to that. I'd like to uh, talk about some hardware, as I like to call it. Mainly, there's two things kind of on my mind right now. The new SID forks and rear shock, and the new Trek Super Caliber, which has me fairly excited. Um, it's coming out, my insiders say... Um, August 10th, so another week and a few days away. I've seen a photo of the whole bike, the 2024, the factory, uh, the top-of-the-line model. Nothing too surprising. You know, it's got the uh, access transmission, of course. It's got the new SIDS. Uh, looks physically, to me, to the naked eye, looks, you know, virtually identical. But there are some improvements um, I don't know if you read anything about it. The reason it's particularly interesting to me is Trek, of course, is headquartered in Madison. Well, not Madison. Outside, they're, they're you know, 20, 30 minutes uh, from Madison, Wisconsin, which from my house is probably two, two and a half hours. Uh, they're, they're heavily, obviously, heavily popular in the entire Wisconsin off-road a series, and they in fact purchased it and are now running the entire cross country. Well, there's eight, 10, 12, I don't remember races uh, now. They took it over last year, was the first year. The gentleman who's been running it for forever 20, 30 years I mean, it's, oh, it's been around forever. He retired and Trek took it over, so they've kind of uh, they've done a nice job. They've got lots of races. And, in fact, they just had a huge race, a local race, at the Trek headquarters called the Red Barn Classic. Uh, I was there. It was last two Sundays ago. Not last Sunday. Two Sundays. Um, on their private trails where they use uh, to train, not train, to um, test all their bikes and to ride and I'm sure all the mountain bikers who visit uh, Trek take rides there. It's beautiful. Probably one of one of the nicest mountain bike cross-country trail systems I've ever been on. And they did it last year. It was the first year they opened it up for a race. And it was pretty big last year. But this year they they went insane. So Trek bikes are literally everywhere. I'd say... Mm, at least 50%, if not 60 or more, are Treks. Um, so they're very... Trek is much more represented around these parts than most other bike brands. So I bought a Trek in 2016. Um, we'll go into that whole story. That's a story in and of itself. But I've been riding a Trek, top fuel, uh, heavily modified since I got it, but... So I've been looking at getting something a, a little more up-to-date, and the original Trek 
uh, Super Caliper did not, I don't know. I, the only thing I really liked about it was the two water bottle mounts. That's the one thing I really wish I had. I do not have that now, and it would be very handy. So I keep been waiting to see what this next generation uh, Super Caliber is going to be. And now that I see it and have read some of the specs, it might be something I purchase as a next bike. Uh, it's been confirmed. It's moved up to 80 mil travel in the back. Um, the geometry has changed. They're going 110 on the fork with the new SIDS. So you actually gain 20 in the back and 10 up front. Uh, I kind of I was hoping for 100, you know, in the back, but I guess that particular design probably doesn't allow without any linkages or anything. I don't know. They have the reasons. So 80 in back, and it's switched to a rock shocks, uh, rear shock, special one. It's not, you know, regular off the shelf. Actually has a nice rebound click on it now. Um, three position um, damping on it now so overall looks very similar to in fact for all I know that's what the Trek Factory team's been racing this whole year I mean they blacked it out in one of their promo videos a few months ago but I you know from the side I, I would never be able to tell unless you could read that that shock logo and you know make out there's no Fox uh, logo on there anymore. That'd be about the only way visually that you can tell uh, other than colors and things. So um, I'll probably, you know, if the prices haven't went too insane, uh, consider maybe next year or later this fall if they become freely available upgrading. Otherwise, I'm perfectly happy with what I have and might even just put the whole thing off till next year. And we'll see what happens. But I've been looking at, at forks recently. My I'm still running the original 2016 SID XX forks. They actually came out in 2013, that, that series. So these, you know, working at 10-year-old model forks. I've been having some issues with uh, the air spring and the dampers, dampeners, whatever you call them. And I've actually replaced a basically replaced the entire left and right uh, guts of these things, trying to get them back to kind of where they're functioning like they did when they were new. I've been having some issues. It was so frustrating that I considered getting a whole new bike right on the spot, but honestly, I, I couldn't find one. Nobody, I was looking at Santa Cruz, I was looking at Super Calibers, I was even looking at Specialized, then I started looking at pivots and all these, and nobody had any. So I just decided to make do with what I had for another year, which is perfectly fine. It's much better for my wallet anyway. Um, but again, new SID. looked just like the old SID, except for the crowns, which are really cool looking. I'm kind of surprised that Flight Attendant was not mentioned in this release. I mean, clearly, you know, Nino's got it. I saw an Instagram post of Lucas Schwartzbauer. He's got it on his canyon. And I'm sure now that he does, there's going to be many more, maybe at the World Champs, running it. I'd be very curious. You can't see, of course, on uh, Nino's bike where that rear shock 
you know, where the battery is located because it's a pretty tight area down there from the looks of it. And so I'd be curious to see on the canyon, Luca Schwartzbauer, uh, his, you know, the shock would be exposed. I'd like to see if there's just a regular old access battery stuck on there like the fork. So that would be a heck of a lot of batteries to keep track of. But other than that, you know, there's 50 million models of it, 32 mil stanchions, 35 mil on some, the 35 mil forks, um, I'll say 180 millimeter minimum rotor, which is kind of insane. A lot of people don't necessarily need that. Usually it's 160, throw an adapter and go up to 80. So very interesting. They do offer a 100 mil option still on that super duper ultra light model um, but clearly they're kind of pushing the the 35 mil stanchions a little heavier duty ones 110 120 travel so that's kind of cool uh, so we'll see i like the blue i actually had when the first sid came out i was i've always been a weight weenie i'll admit it i was this was back i don't know when they came out mid 90s late Mid to late 90s, the first SID. I'm just going off the top of my head. Still had steel hardtails, custom steel hardtails I was running. And I had to have one because it was the lightest. It actually didn't handle that well on my bike. I've been using, been using Manitou forks for years before that. And something with the offset of that fork. I don't know if it, it was kicked out more uh, than the, all the Manitous. It just it made my bike kind of handle weird, so I ended up getting rid of it and stick, stuck with Mon Manitou forks all the way until just a few years before I got the top fuel. I switched to a Fox fork. Uh, so the RockShox was all new to me when I got my Trek, and I've, I've had pretty good luck with it up until recently. So um, whatever I'm looking at as a new bike next year, it will most likely have a SID fork on it. So that's cool that they finally announced it. Curious about the uh, flight attendant, though. And finally, I just want to thank everybody who listened to this. I don't expect miracles here. Obviously, I've got a lot to learn. Um, i got a lot to work on and, and get polished. But um, the type of things I've spoke about today are going to be kind of where I stick going forward. Now, I will just mention a couple things I'm working on. Uh, I had an interesting test. I actually rode a gravel bike, uh, $10,000 plus dollar titanium moots, gravel bike, top of the line, NV wheels, NV, you know, force axis uh, component. It was a beautiful bike. I've ever actually in 33 years threw my leg over a drop bar road gravel bike for about three minutes. Uh, I rode my cousin's uh, Diverge on a ride with him a couple years ago when he got it. it felt so foreign. I, I got off the thing. It felt like I was learning to ride a whole new bike. I didn't like it. Didn't like the narrow bars and all that. So I decided to branch out a little. I had an opportunity to go on a good ride with a guy from Moots who who brought uh, his fleet of bikes in from uh, Colorado. So a couple interesting observations um, coming from a cross-country only flat bar mountain biker. 
to suddenly being in a group ride on dirt and gravel on a brand new bike that I've never ridden. So that was kind of interesting. I had some moments of, hey, this is really cool. And then some moments of, eh, I'd rather be sitting on my mountain bike. So kind of weird full circle back and forth. Love it, hate it, love it. Eh, maybe I'll get one to maybe I won't. But I got some interesting footage uh, and video of that evening. That happened last week. And I've got all kinds of other great things coming. I've got some interviews coming up. Got some great vintage uh, insights from a couple interesting gentlemen that you probably have not heard of. If you're uh, under the age of 45, let's say, uh, I try not to dabble too much in the old school stuff because uh, I know not everybody cares about the 90s and the early years of cross country, but it was quite interesting. And I've got all kinds of other things coming up. So uh, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. And more than happy to uh, have you subscribe if you want. But I'll be posting these. Uh, I'll have another one this week. And we'll just start from there. Thanks and talk to you soon. Special thanks to the first ever sponsor of Short Travel Magazine, Kurtlow Cycles. Doug Curtis, uh, the, the builder at Kurtlow Cycles, has been building custom uh, frames and bikes, road bikes, gravel bikes, mountain bikes, fat bikes. Tall, super tall riders, uh, particularly like Kurtlow, because he's been known to build some really, really well-riding custom steel frames. Still lightweight and fully customized for you. And he's been doing it a very long time, late 70s. Uh, so check out KurtLow.com. And I'm going to be doing a quick interview with him coming up here because he's got quite an interesting history in the cross-country uh, racing world. Sponsored some great riders and teams back in the day. And I want to talk to him about um, what the chances are of bringing back some custom steel uh, full suspension bikes into the cross-country racing world. I think it's doable. I think it's possible, and I'm going to give it a go uh, later on. So thank you again, Kurtlow Cycles, KurtLow.com. If you need something nobody else has, he's your guy. <laughs>